Praise the Lord. How many love Jesus tonight? Jesus is risen from the dead. He's alive and well tonight. Amen. And it's good to be here in the presence of God. I hope you, the afternoon is short on a Sunday around here. It's like, get off, go eat. Wait a minute, time to go back to church. Amen. I was wonderfully, uh, wonderfully. Amen. That's if, uh, that's if Elmer Fudd was a preacher right there, just so you know. Amen. Uh, I was wonderfully blessed today at lunch, was invited over uh, to the drum home. You know, uh, Pastor David and I go way back. I preached my very first revival ever in Pastor Drum's church there in Houston, Texas, way back in 1992. I'm old. Amen. I don't think it's fair. He got more handsome than I did, but that's okay. I'll let him have that. Amen. But uh, he has been a very good uh, friend, and I'm honored to uh, know you, David. Uh, I've always thought of you as a better man than myself, truly. Amen. And it's a blessing. If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. You know, some years ago, I hopped on a plane to go down to uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. And from here to there is a 16-hour flight. 16 hours in the air. That meant if you left when you got up, if, you, if I left when you got up this morning, I would probably still have another four hours to go. Amen. That's a long time to be in a tube in the air. And uh, that flight didn't go real well for me. When I got off, my brain was like jello. It was a Saturday morning. I was uh, down, uh, I'd actually got sent down there by Pastor Mitchell to preach for some of the uh, national guys down there, do a little tour of revivals. Uh, and I was met at the airport. Uh, Pastor Polacco was going to host me that Sunday, but he had to do a rally. So I was picked up by the late Pastor Ron Bannett. And I knew of Ron, but I'd never met him before. And so we jumped in the car, and he's going to take me to my accommodations. And he says, oh, uh, by the way, did they tell you you're preaching for me tonight? I'm thinking I'm going to have kind of a day to recover, you know, kind of get in sync. And I'm like, no. Nobody said anything. Well, that's because he just made that up. He said, I got a preacher in the car, and nothing's going on tonight. I'm going to use him. I said, bro, I'm down, whatever. He goes, oh, it's not a real big deal. We're going to go do a neighborhood outreach. You can come and preach a little bit, pray for some people. So I'm like, yeah, I got a little nap that afternoon. We went out, little makeshift stage there. It was just a real impromptu thing. Uh, we get out there, I preach a very simple message about salvation and healing, call for people who want healing. Now, I've done many revivals and healing crusades, different things, and there are different uh, dynamics, methods, or if you will, whatever, when you're working through this to help faith. Uh, generally, you pray for things that you've seen God do or you've been successful in or he's been doing through your ministry. For example, I didn't start by trying to raise the dead because I've never, you know, I haven't done that, uh, 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 that kind of miracle. And so that's not where I want to start. I want to start kind of with things that I'm familiar with or I've seen God do. And uh, it's not a gimmick or a trick. It just helps uh, promote faith in the atmosphere. And so uh, uh, when I called for healing, 
there was a man that started hobbling forward. He had these canes, you know the kind of canes that lock onto your wrist? And he had them in both hands, and I'm not sure what he had. I think it was some kind of uh, muscular dystrophy or something. I mean, he was, he was very advanced in this. I mean, he could barely walk. He's hobbling up, and, uh, you know, I've never seen a miracle on that scale. And I didn't say it out loud, but in my mind, I'm like, not you yet. But what are you going to do? He's coming. And so I'm like, well, i got to pray for him. I'm half, I half don't even know what I'm saying. It's like I'm standing next to myself watching myself because I'm so jet-lagged. And uh, anyway, he comes up, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray for him. I step down to go pray for him. I'm six feet away. I lift my hand, and all of a sudden, he goes down. I'm like, great. Now he's going to fall over, and I'm the preacher that pushed him to the ground or whatever, even though I wasn't near him, and he's going to get injured. But all of a sudden, he jumps to his feet, throws the crutches, and starts running full speed down the street, completely healed. When this happened... We already had a crowd of about 100 people, but when this happened, he was very uh, easy to see who he was from a distance. Uh, he'd been there for many years. When people saw him running down the street, uh, hundreds, it was like someone kicked over an anthill. Hundreds begin to come out. I preached again. I can't, I don't remember how many people were saved. Uh, hundreds uh, uh, people healed of every variety, miracles like I'd never seen. It was just an incredible move of God's Spirit. The rest of the trip went good, but I would have to say that was the highlight. And it wasn't even planned. It wasn't, uh, it was an impromptu thing. And I might even add, it wasn't because I had some great faith. I'm very candid with you what I was thinking. It's like, I'll pray for him. But honestly, I wasn't expecting he would get healed. But for whatever faith I lacked, he had. And he connected with Jesus and it wrought an incredible miracle and deliverance in his life. And I want to preach tonight how to touch Jesus because maybe you need to touch God tonight for something in your life. A very famous story, Mark chapter 5, verse 25. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment because she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. I want to look very quickly, seven things here, there might be more, but just seven quick observations that might help us tonight. Number one, the problem. She had a flow of blood 12 years. Many suspect probably some kind of cancer in the female area. It caused her to bleed continually every day, 24-7, for 12 years. And so we have to know and acknowledge what the problem is. Now, your problem might be different 
but a problem still. Whether it's a physical healing, whether it's some kind of financial dilemma, whether it's in the area of relationships, I mean, the list can go on and on. Number one, you got to know what the issue is and acknowledge the problem. The reason I say that, it's not so common these days, but in the early years, people thought it was faith. You know, you go to the doctor, they take scans, they show you you have cancer, it's on the CT scan, it's on the blood test, I mean, it's documented, there's cancer in your body, you can't argue that. But they think it was faith that when they come to pray, well, the doctors say I have cancer, but I don't have cancer in Jesus' name. No, yes you do. Faith does not deny reality. That's not faith. That's foolishness. Faith acknowledges the problem. But faith does acknowledge the whole reality, which is yes, this is what it says, but the part the other part of reality is that Jesus is Lord, he's the great physician, and he can heal you of that cancer. But faith does not deny reality. It doesn't pretend it's not happening. You've got to acknowledge the problem. Number two, the natural response. She turned to the natural world. The Bible says she went to many physicians or doctors. And again, that's not wrong. Uh, like I said this morning, Luke was a doctor. God has given us brains. He's helped us. I thank God for doctors. I have been helped by doctors. I have loved ones that have been profoundly helped by doctors. I love doctors, and I'm glad they're there. But even they will tell you there's only so much they can do. Amen. And uh, we ought to also consider in this context, it can be a little foggy because the same word there can be the same word for the witch doctor, the medicine man, the curandera. Well, now that's not good. Some of you grown up, grew up breaking an egg under your bed. Oh, yeah. yeah. I might be a white boy, man, but I've been around. All the Mexicans are going, how do he know that? It's curandera. Yeah, that all my bros growing up, uh, uh, I learned all that stuff. You know, my wife's uh, Native American. I before then I'd partied with some medicine. Every culture has their version, but that's witchcraft, and that's not good. But I will say, I am not justifying what she did, not at all. But I can understand it. When you're desperate, when you've tried everything. And you just want to be better. See, not only was she diseased in that culture, she's looked like she's cursed. That's the superstition. What did you do? You must have sinned against God. That's why this is happening to you. So, And the Bible says she's unclean by the laws of Moses. So not only is she sick, she's isolated. She's been dumped. She's by herself, and now she's broke. You know, Again, I don't condone her going to the doctors, but when it says she did this and got worse, it kind of makes me think she might have swerved into some things she should have left alone, and not only did it not get better, it did get worse. It always gets worse when we do something out of the will of God. But let's consider the power of testimony, because... She heard about Jesus. We don't know what she heard. But she could have heard a variety of things. Man, 
I was walking down the street the other day, and this guy that was blind, he'd been blind his whole life. All of a sudden, he could see. The lame walked. The deaf hear. The lepers were cleansed. This man, Jesus, we don't know what she heard, but we know she heard that miracles were happening, and that can bring faith. Hearing brings faith. Something generated. Even though she had been let down so many times for so many years, this was different. Hearing about what Jesus could do brought faith. She quickly made a decision to act on her faith and seek Jesus out. She didn't just hear that and say, oh, well, that's nice. She began to put her faith in action. She made a decision, I need to get to Jesus. She had a declaration of faith. She actually said it out loud. I know if I can get to Jesus, I will be made well. Again, like I said this morning, we're created in the image of God. When we speak things, that's powerful. Now, I'm all for meditation. I meditate all the time, which is a fancy way of just saying, I just turn everything off, get alone with myself and God, and think. That's meditation. This generation hardly even knows what that is. If you don't look at your cell phone every 30 seconds, you start going through withdrawals. And you're missing out. These are great tools. I have one, but I want to tell you, if you can't sit for 30 minutes, an hour, just put that away and get alone from God, you are going to really struggle hearing from God and getting to know him because he's not going to compete with the noise. He won't do that. But if you'll make yourself steal, still, and, you know, sometimes in prayer, uh, you know, I was telling a brother a while back, he'd come to prayer all the time, and I'm glad for that, but I never hear a peep out of him. And, well, I pray silently. You can do that. That's good. But I want to tell you something. There's something about when we speak, when we say it. This is God. You, if you're not praying audibly, you're doing yourself a disservice. And a lot of them don't do it because they're shy, you know. My first prayer meeting, when I went into prayer, God, this was my first prayer. I still remember it. Southgate Shopping Center had only been saved a week or two. And I thought that was the VIP room. You know, like when I went to the party, there was always the party, but there was the VIP room, right? And I know because I was always in there because I paid for the party. Anyway, uh, I thought, well, maybe someday, man, I'll meet someone and I'll get invited to the VIP room. You know, a lot of times we don't understand when people come to church, they don't just automatically know everything. You know, so I'm thinking, well, that's something going on in there, maybe someday. And someone was walking by and say, hey, you want to go in there? I'm like, already? Yeah. <laughs> VIP, do I get a badge or what? So it's the prayer room. I walked in. I sit down. Okay, we're going to pray. All right, I got this. I thought this was genius. I can't believe no one thought of it. God, kill the devil, save everybody. We win. I can't believe How come they haven't done that yet? I'm a little naive, right? I don't quite understand everything. But to me, I thought, and that took what? Less than two seconds, and my prayer life was over. And there were people in there for an hour. You know another reason you need to pray audibly? Now, we're not to be showmen and stuff like that. And a lot of people confuse when you pray, go into the closet. There is a place for that. But that's not talking about a public prayer meeting like we have. That's something different. 
They were out in the street praying, God, I thank you I'm not as other people. No, this is a prayer meeting. You know, you might consider the reason you need to go to prayer, people, and pray out loud is someone like me that's new, doesn't know how to pray, a little insecure about it. I could go in an atmosphere like that, kind of be invisible, and yet begin to figure this thing out. It's like an incubator for the new convert to begin to learn how to pray. So, yes, your prayers are powerful, and that's good, but you might consider it's not just about that. How about being an example for new people who come in so they can learn how to pray? Just a thought. And she spoke it out loud. Sometimes you need to say things out loud. Number six, she had a determined faith because there were obstacles. She's a woman. She's unclean. Back in those days, that's two strikes you're out right there already. Jesus is coming through the crowd. It says a multitude of people had come. They didn't see this lady and say, oh, poor lady. You know, she's been suffering so long. Let's just let her through. No, no, no. Everybody was, it's in who gets down first mode. Like, who can get next to Jesus? You know, like when the rock star comes out of the concert and everybody swarms them. they got to kind of rush them to the limo, you know. That's the atmosphere. And she's weak from the loss of blood. We don't know how it exactly went down, but it wasn't convenient for her. It wasn't just, you know, automatic. She had to have a determination. There are things that will try to keep you from getting connected to God. Some of you just coming to church here tonight almost didn't come because, oh, you had a fight or flat tire or this happened. And, oh, you know why? But some, by the grace of God, you made it. Number seven, when all these things were in place, a powerful miracle was released. We're going to pray in a minute. And some listening to me right now, you're somewhere in the process of needing God to move in your life. He's willing, but there's some things, if you understand, will help you get connected with him. As I said, you need faith. And listen, faith is a lot easier than a lot of people think. You know, it's been said, religion is the business of making simple things difficult. How true is that? In the beginning, there was one rule. Say one. One. A one-year-old can count to one. Don't mess with the tree. All the gazillion, billion trees on planet Earth, yours. This one, mine, don't mess with that. I don't know, y'all. That sounds fair to me, man. One rule, don't, don't mess with that tree right there. That's it. We jack it up. God says, okay, I'll give you ten more, the Ten Commandments. Ten. Say ten. A three-year-old can count to ten. Mine can count to fifteen. Ha! Anyway, proud grandpa there. Uh, and so anyway... We jack that up. The priesthood gets a hold of it and turns it into almost 3,000. They make rules about keeping the rules about keeping the rules. That's human nature. That's what religion does. And we we got to stop that. Faith is very simple. It's a choice. One definition, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One definition put it this way. This means that persuasion is not the outcome of imagination, but it's based on fact, such as 
the reality that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. His body's not there. That's well documented. And so it becomes the basis of a realistic hope. So the same brain that tells you Jesus rose from the dead is the same brain that says, I have cancer, but God can take it away. Same exact thing. It's not complicated. We get complicated because sometimes we ask for healing, and the healing doesn't happen sometimes. And we, we don't know what to do with that. It must be faith. must be sin. Could be. You're telling me this woman had no faith? You know, Jesus called her daughter. He didn't say that to everybody. You're telling me she had no faith? I mean, she, she touched God and got a miracle. But for 12 years, she didn't. You telling me she never prayed in that 12 years? That just don't fit human nature. When you're in the hospital and dying, you pray, friend. Right? I've been there. You pray. You call out to God. You play let's make a deal. You do everything you can think of believing for a miracle. Right? And for 12 years, no miracle. That's the hard part. You know, well, I prayed for some people, and they didn't get healed. They went to be with the Lord. We automatically equate that as a negative thing. Negative for you, but not for them. Well, that sounds cold-blooded, don't it? But listen, they're dancing in the presence of God. This life is like a vapor. They don't even think about this no more. Instant joy, so overwhelming, it's almost like this world never existed. That's what happens when you enter the presence of God. It's not like here, but different. Friend, it's a totally different. It's not like here, but on steroids. It's completely beyond description different. That's why there's no tears in heaven. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17 Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Galatians 3.5, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God. In other words, is it based on your religious performance? You know, you go to church enough, you, know, you do the scripture, you know, you be a good boy, good girl for a while, then you kind of earn points with God in the mirror. Is that how it happens? He says, uh-uh. Because the truth is, on your best day, your righteousness before God's like filthy rags. You're proud of yourself because, man, I went all day and I didn't curse in my mind and I was nice to my wife and I went to church. You're standing there thinking, but if you could look in the spirit, you're wearing rags in yourself. Uh, on those rags is the righteousness of Christ. That's how we enter heaven. It's not by good works. It's by faith that he paid the price. Right? And so that's a little oversimplified. I want to tell one more story. I was in Benin, West Africa. That's a little sliver of a country right next to Nigeria. Benin, up until 1975, was called Dahomey. It's a French word. It means in the belly of the snake. Because the main religion of Benin is voodoo. I actually went down to the voodoo temple. That's kind of a trip. 
they gave me a tour. They're French speaking there. I was with David Hamilton, one of our pastors out of Sierra Leone. And there's the sweat hut. There's where they do their little offerings. You know, they're trying to tell us, you know, this is, it's not like you see in the movies. Voodoo's a nice, peaceful religion. I'm like, yeah, sure it is. Anyway, uh, we duck into a room about, you know, 20 by 30, maybe a little smaller. Uh, it's kind of dark in there. I noticed when I got to the door, David kind of like backed off. But I was already in motion. I stepped down. They go, watch your step. My eyes hadn't adjusted. I'm kind of stepping over stuff. When I adjust, I'm, there's no less than 30 pythons there. Snakes. Some of them 15 feet long. Now, I've never had a problem with snakes. I grew up with them. I mean, I don't play around with rattlesnakes, but I've handled, you know, bull snakes and stuff. And, you know, they just, that kind of stuff don't bother me. And I can tell they're kind of docile. They're used to being handled by the voodoo people. But what trips me out, he said this. He goes, we don't put them here. We just open the door. They can come and go whenever they want, and yet they'll come back here. And that's when it's kind of like, what's going on, man? I'm having a crusade. He sets up. He's open about seven months. He's got maybe... 30 people coming, 10 of those that are really locked in. We had 1,000 people show up for the crusade. I'm like, check this out. It's an outdoor crusade. I preach. uh, I give an altar call. 200 people come forward to accept Christ. I mean, I'm feeling like Billy Graham all of a sudden. I'm like, what is, did they understand me? Like, is this for real? I mean, I have faith, but I just had not seen that. And then we begin to pray for miracles. I mean, I saw tumors dissolve right in front of my eyes. Deaf mutes begin to speak and hear. I mean, just, and it was like, be healed. Okay. I mean, there was no binding your mother or nothing like that, you know. I was literally, I had faith, but I honestly, I'm like, I'm kind of, it was a little surreal. Like, is this really happening? Are these people putting me on somehow? Healed, healed, healed. As quick as we could pray, supernatural miracles. Man, you know, I wasn't proud, but I tell you, I was feeling really good. Like, yeah, man, we're going to tell the devil. He's a liar. We're going to win Benin to Jesus. Amen. I can't wait till tomorrow night. And I got up and I preached with all confidence. I go to call the altar call. How many want to get Jesus? The night before, 200 hands went up. That night, not one. I'm like, well, maybe the interpreter miss, you know, let me say it again. Not one. All of a sudden, I felt a demonic resistance. And there comes a point in this kind of atmosphere, you've got to, you've got to break it through. And I'm like, man, we can't just not, we can't stop this. We've got to break it through. I start quoting every scripture I can think of. I'm preaching. I'm telling you, bro, my veins are popping. I think my lungs are about to fly out of my mouth. I'm saying everything I can say and think of. And I think maybe by just sheer desperation, Holy Spirit, I don't know, but I said, I just need one. Give me one. And out of the middle aisle, about six rows back, an old woman stood up. When she started walking forward, 200 souls came in behind her, And the night was just like before. They brought this woman to me after that night ended. And through an interpreter explained to me, she has a son who had been one of the original converts in that church. 
and she didn't like it. She told her son, I have been voodoo my whole life. I will never step foot in that church. But it was an outdoor crusade, so she had come the night before. Only the night before, she was paralyzed from the waist down. She could not walk. And during the prayer the night before, she didn't come to the altar, but she began to see people get healed. She began to hear out of their own mouths, Jesus healed me. I have this. It's gone. I've been set free. And some of these she knew personally. And so a little faith must have happened, and a little prayer must have slipped out. And sitting in that crowd, all of a sudden, she felt something in her legs, and she stood up healed under the power of God and walked home that night. She came back the next night, and she was the woman that stood and came forward. And I'll never forget what she told me. Pastor, last night, Jesus, who I didn't even like, gave me back my legs. So tonight, I've given him my life, and I'm going to walk and live for him for the rest of my days. Hallelujah! Jesus is risen from the dead! If God can heal a stubborn woman like that, he will certainly hear you and move for you tonight. You've just got to believe, step out, and believe what God will do. And I believe God can do it right here, right now. Even if you've prayed 7,500 times before. I was in El Paso, Texas. And I want to say this for long-term church people. Something, one of the shifts I've seen that I said this morning is long-term church people are getting healed. Now, you might be sitting here and say, well, of course, but if you've been around for a while, you know what I'm saying. They've been to every revival, every crusade. They've tried, and no miracle, no miracle. Again, I don't like that either because I can't explain it to you. I can't tell you why. You know, I don't, always, I don't think it's a lack of faith issue. They keep going. They keep believing. I don't think it's a sin issue. I, it's, it's a God knows I don't know thing. But I'm seeing that turn. There was a man had very severe scoliosis. I mean, I got a picture. His back goes like this. Sunday, nothing. Monday, nothing. Tuesday, nothing. He gets up Wednesday morning during the revival just to do his personal devotions. I'm not even there. I don't even know he has this condition. There's six, 700 people in that uh, meeting. And all of a sudden, he felt something, or he actually didn't feel what he's normally, this cracking, and he gets curious, long story short, that he's been to the doctor, his spine is completely straight, he was completely healed by the power of God. And he had prayed many times, been to all the meetings, but that day, for some reason, God chose its time and was wonderfully healed. I believe tonight can be your night. I'm just preaching what God told me to say, and maybe God's got your number. He's heard those years of prayers and cries. We're just going to believe him, and I think God's going to touch people before we leave here tonight. I'd like you to bow your heads with me. Before we pray for some of those needs, I want to change the order of the service for just a moment and give an invitation. 
If you have come tonight, maybe you got a flyer, you talked to somebody, but you've come tonight and you are not right with God. You do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You're living in sin. If you were to die and stand before God, you'd be in trouble because the wages of sin is death. But maybe you've come tonight and you realize I need to change. I need to get right with God. I want to give my life to Jesus tonight, and I want to begin to live and serve and follow him. If God is speaking to you tonight and you want to get right with God, I'm not talking about joining a church right now. I'm talking about you're not right with your creator. And tonight he's stirring you. He's speaking to you like he spoke to that woman. She knew she wasn't right. She had her religion. She had her way she believed. But when God spoke to her, she realized she needed to repent and get right with God. Is God speaking to you tonight that I need to give my life to Jesus? If that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, you slip up your hand so I can see it. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to accept Christ as my Savior. I see you, dear. Anyone else? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not here to put you on the spot. I see you. God bless you. But Jesus died on a cross for you. You can raise your hand for him. He's speaking to people right now. I'm unsaved. I'm backslidden. I need to get right with God. Quickly, I'm not going to hold this a long time. Man, woman, young or old, God's speaking to me. I need to get right with God. Lord, I want to accept you as my Savior. I want my sins forgiven. You'd lift your hand. Quickly, front to back, side to side. If you've lifted it, you can put it down. Anyone else? Honest hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for these. I'm unsaved. I'm backslidden. All right, we're going to stand. If you lifted your hand, you meant that. I want you to get out of your seat. Come and pray. Uh, God will meet you here at the altar. You need to pray. You need to come and pray and get right with God. Uh, that's the follow-through. Amen. And the rest of us, maybe God spoke to you. You have some kind of miracle, need something. You can come get a hold of God tonight. I'm going to open these altars for a time of general prayer before we pray for some other things. The altars are open as we sing and worship the Lord tonight.